very exciting seeing what's happening with Peace Aviation. If you've been around the church long enough, you'll remember some of the words we got about flying and aviation like, I don't know, 20 years ago-ish, something like that. And um, the, the one that stands out to me the most, I'm still amazed by it, and I'm probably not going to say it right. If Dad was here, he would jump up, take the microphone off me, and say it proper. So this isn't proper, this is just how I remember it. But there was a word that came that was something like this, that in the future, a day is coming when it won't be easy to get around the world. You know, it'll be, you know, you'll have to fly and you'll have to stop for two weeks here and you'll have to stop for two weeks there. And, uh, but, but the Lord was saying, get your own method of, of uh, transportation in place. And when COVID started, I thought, goodness me, was that a word or what? <laughs> There was a time that came when it was not easy to get around the world and everywhere you go, you've got to quarantine for two weeks. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, um, if the Lord needed my dad or any of us to be anywhere in Australia or even, I guess, in a pinch, PNG, New Zealand, whatever, for ministry, we could certainly just go. We, we're not limited. The Lord, what the Lord said is now certainly the reality and it's in place and we're not limited. If... if um, there was a ban on commercial flying, you know, for the foreseeable future, we could still go places. And I think that's an amazing, amazing word that came all those years ago. Um, one of the things, that I'm now just making a diversion for one minute before I get to our last of our five areas. But one of the things that always amazes me is um, the accuracy of the words that my father gets that he has shared with the church. Now, everyone's human. Everyone makes mistakes, so sometimes Dad will get up with an exciting idea and uh, it, it might turn out to be just not much of an exciting idea, it might turn out to be nothing. And all humans have their, you know, personal areas of enthusiasm or excitement that they, that they pursue and it doesn't work out. But Dad never ever said that everything he did was a word. But there's times Dad gets up and he says, I feel that I have a word from the Lord about A, B or C. And I am so amazed at how accurate his words have proven to be, even looking back, say, 20 years later. And this really stood out to me in the most recent American election because um, you've got all these people in the world who claim to be prophets, you know, prophets for the Lord. And before the election with Trump, there were about 70 of them, and some of these were even significant Christian ministries. And they were all on YouTube, they were everywhere, and they were saying, the Lord says, <laughs> Trump will be re-elected. And they were saying everything like imaginable, and every single one of them was wrong. And I remember thinking to myself afterwards, I thought, what's the state of the Christian prophetic movement in the world today if some of these big names are just wrong? And you know what? A lot of people, even solid Christian leaders, and you think of yourself, you're a solid Christian, how easy it is to have your own thoughts take you in a way where you think it's the Lord, but it's your own thoughts. It's so easy to do. And then I think about that and I compare it to my dad and I think, I'm astounded. When he has stood up in church and said, I have a word, it's been a word. And he's been right. And um, <laughs> so it, as a, a younger leader who has ideas too, and sometimes I, I think it's the Lord and sometimes I'm not sure if it's him or me, but my dad has an opinion. I'm very, very careful to consider his opinion because I know he has got such a track record of being right. And, uh, 
I'm, I'm grateful for that, but the whole story of Peace Aviation is one of those things where if you've been a part of Peace and you've seen the whole journey of it, the school is another example. There's just examples of um, what the Lord has said and then in time what the Lord has brought about and we've got a lot of thanksgiving to give to the Lord. So, so much to be grateful for. Anyway, the last of the five areas for this morning um, is the church itself. And so, there's a, you know, in each of the aspects we've covered, there's a lot more to what we've been able to go over this morning. And so we've just given you some highlights. And even, even um, with the school, you know, Michael didn't even say half of the exciting stuff that's going on. And with Peace Aviation, Philip only said what's happened in the last year, really. And, and um, some of the things that we've talked about this morning, they've got long legs. Lots of stuff's happened. With Apostolic Mission, which David mentioned, we can't even cover all the things we've done in apostolic mission over the last 30 years, all the countries we've been to, all the people we've connected with. We talked about being on Pakistan Christian TV this morning, but we've been on Christian TV in the Philippines, Christian TV in Kenya, Christian TV in India. My father has spoken on some of the biggest conferences in the world. He spoke to a conference of 5,000 pastors in India he spoke to 10,000 people at another time in India. My father's spoken in conferences in South Africa with 4,000, 5,000. He's been at the Apostolic Coalition of Apostolic Le uh, American Coalition of Apostolic Leaders countless times, spoken with all, some of the world's most significant Christian ministries. But we don't even have time this morning to go over what the Lord has done, and yet everything that's happened to this point is a beginning. And we haven't talked about the church yet this morning either. And in the same way, we're not going to go over all that the church has done in the past, which is astounding for a local church. But we're going to talk about a little bit about the future. And um, I'm going to read to you Psalm chapter 1. It's only six verses. And um, I'm looking forward to getting into the Psalms with my Bible videos because they're shorter chapters, except for Psalm 118. And uh, it'll be quicker reading, uh, reading through each chapter. But Psalm 1, we've got verse 3 up here on the board. And um, this year, the theme, you know, a lot of churches have a theme for the year. If, if we were to have a theme for the year, it's the word planted. Philip and I discussed this last year, and we decided that this idea of being planted, or um, that's our theme, that's our focus for this next 12 months. And that word appears right here in Psalm 1, verse 3. And I'm going to read to you the whole of Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. And by the way, his law is just, it's the scriptures, it's the Bible, it's not the Old Testament laws that we're talking about. It's just, it's just what God had to say. Blessed is the one who meditates on what God has to say day and night. That person now up to here, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Different version, you can tell. But the same ideas are present. But not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, and nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will lead to destruction." So this whole psalm is about the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And the righteous people are people who are constantly thinking about what God has to say 
and they plant themselves, like this verse says, they're like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do, prospers because the Lord blesses them. So the righteous person is always contemplating what the Lord has to say. And in part of that process, they're planted. They're planted in the right place and they do well and they prosper. And that's our theme for the year as a church. It's being planted. We're going to be a people who are thinking about what the Lord has to say. We're making sure we're in the right place and the Lord's going to bless us. He's going to bless you, but because there's lots of you who are being blessed, then together we will be blessed and we will prosper in all that we do. So it's a great psalm. It's a great theme. And you'll remember a few weeks ago I talked about tree, little trees in pots. Some of you might remember this. And I said, pot plants, little plants, they grow, and then you've got to put them in a bigger pot, otherwise they stop growing. So there's that theme planted. See, I already was introducing it and you didn't realise a few weeks ago. And the whole idea is we've got to be planted in a bigger pot or in a place where we can grow and be fruitful. And I said to you a few weeks ago that part of being planted was to get yourself in a prayer meeting every week. Get involved in our prayer meetings. That's a part of what it means to be planted. And so we've got some plans for the year. And I've got here a list of church goals. Now, we haven't talked about this in public, but... Philip and I thrashed out what should our goals be for the church, you know, short-term, mid-term, long-term. Then we've then gone and talked about them with pa the pastors. We've talked about it at church council. I've talked about these with individuals. We, I haven't hidden any of the church goals. Um, it's just there's never been an occasion where we've said, hey, here's our goals for the next year, two years, five years, etc. But here's some of the things that we would love to achieve in our church short-term. This is like the next year, maybe up to 18 months. We'd like to see 50% of people who are, you know, teenagers and up involved in a prayer meeting, you know, once a week. 50%, that's half the people. And at the moment, we've got about a quarter of the people aged 13 and up involved in prayer. So we want to see that double. And I suggest to you that if you want to be planted in a stream, in a place where you can grow and be fruitful, you've got to be in a prayer meeting. It's a bit like, uh, you know, you can't expect to grow up if you don't eat your wheat bix. You know, you say that to your kids, you know, eat your vegetables and you'll be strong. Well, your, your weekly prayer meeting, that's like your minimum dosage of vegetables for being a spiritual person. You know, if you don't get involved in prayer, you, you're just not eating your veggies. Um, how are you expected to grow up and be nice and strong? So look, if we want a church that prospers in all we do, you've got to get involved in prayer. So that's good for you. I'll tell you what, it's good for the church. Churches do well when we pray. When we pray about the thing, like if you want the youth to do well, we've got to pray for the youth. You can't expect things to do well and spiritually grow and succeed if we don't have the Lord's blessing. How do we get the Lord's blessing? We go to the Lord and say, Lord, we need your help. Bless our youth. You know, bless our church life. You know, you pray for your neighbours to get saved. How else are they going to get saved unless someone prays for them? Every single person that's born into this world is birthed. And women know all about it. It's a painful process. Some births are quick and some births are slow, but they're all a birth. And every person who is born into the kingdom of God is birthed. Somebody prays for them. And sometimes they pray a little and they're born quick, and sometimes they pray a lot. 
but somebody births them. Sometimes lots of people birth them. That's a difference. Spiritual births can be a multi-person process. But you don't see things happen unless you pray. So when you join a prayer meeting, that's you getting your veggies and growing up. It's good for you. But we can't achieve anything in church life unless we pray for it. So get yourself in a prayer meeting. And while I'm on the topic of that, um, you know, we mix with other ministers in the city and you get to see how other churches do things. One of the things I've noticed about other churches, there's a, few, there's a few in town that are like this. One of them is the Rocky Baptist Church and another one is the Wesleyan Methodist Church. Both of these congregations, and presumably some others, have a very strong volunteer mentality. Very strong. Because they're doing a lot of programs. So Rocky Baptist, for example, has lots of programs, outreach into school, outreach in, like they do youth, young adults, Sunday school, on Sundays during the service. They have a feeding the poor program. They do lots of different things. And they can't possibly run all the programs they run without volunteers. So they're constantly talking to their people about your spiritual responsibility is to serve. And that means feet on the ground, get in a program, do something, you're involved every week. So they're always talking about the fact you've got to volunteer, you've got to be involved, that's part of being a Christian. So they're really strong on that. Now we don't, we here at Peace, we don't have a lot of programs. We transitioned years ago from being a program-based church where we were running bucket loads of programs to being a cell group-based church where the church is in the cell group or in the life group. And so we tried to make that work with varying degrees of success. And we, we still have like 10 life groups, but there's a heap of people not in life groups. But because we don't have lots of programs, we're not always asking for volunteers. So that we don't have that strong volunteer mentality that say at the Wesleyan Methodist Church or Baptist Church or other places. So um, I think, you know, that we've got strengths in other ways. We've got lots of strengths that other churches don't have. But one of our weaknesses is we don't have a strong volunteer mentality. And that's a weakness. That's a lack. And I think that's something that we should try to rectify. I think everyone should say, I've got to be a part of something as part of being a Christian all the time. And we don't have a lot of programs. So what, what could you be a part of every single week as, to, as just saying to yourself, I'm a Christian and I'm involved, the prayer meetings. We have a lot of prayer meetings that other churches don't have. You could say to yourself, I'm a volunteer. I'm in the prayer meeting. I'm in one a week minimum. And that's a part of my Christian service. It's part of my duty to the Lord, a part of my serving God and serving the kingdom. Get yourself in a prayer meeting. It's what Christians do. And so I would say to you, this is... If you, we were in another church and we didn't have all those prayer meetings but we had all these other programs, I'd be telling you, we need volunteers. We can't run these programs without your help. And I'm just saying the same thing except it's prayer meetings. We can't have all these prayer meetings. We can't run successful prayer at the, the scale we need to without your help. Get yourself in a prayer meeting. So that's one of our goals, that we want 50% of people in prayer. We want to finish the prayer room off this year, and we're getting close. David Hood's worked really hard, but he's had volunteer, some volunteer help as well from a few other people. We appreciate their help, and we're getting close. But that's one of our goals. We want to restart the Friday Night Watch. 
but we need a facility to do it that's going to drown out the youths yelling and screaming on Friday nights. And um, I can say that I'm not in youth anymore. So, uh, but no, it's the worship, you know, and, and um, it, they, they love to praise and celebrate the Lord, but in that prayer room, it's going to be soundproof. We won't hear it. So we want to get that going again, Friday night prayer. We want to see the church grow. Now, this next year, we're not going to do anything to make the church grow except just modernise the building and pray. We're going to believe that this church will start to grow on the sheer strength of just praying for it. That's a goal. Now, 150 people is our goal on a Sunday morning. We already have 150 people in this church. They just don't all come every Sunday morning. So it's not even that hard for us to hit that number of 150. Everyone's just got to start coming. Or we've got to have 200 people, of which three quarters of those come regularly. So that's a goal. Let's pray for it. We want to develop a plan for discipleship. You know, how do we handle new people that join the church? How do we involve them? How do we get them involved? How do we get them discipled? That's something I'll have to think about more. That's a goal, though. We want to revamp the auditorium. As you can see, we're working on it. We want to modernise the outside of the building too. Philip mentioned that briefly. Maybe the second half of the year, we'll get to that. We want to see the YouTube channel grow to 5,000. We're already over four. And we want to develop a social media plan. Now, not for just promoting the church. Every church, every business in the world promotes themselves on social media. Not that. A social media plan for sharing the gospel. Now, you got to, I've obviously spent a lot of time thinking about this, and you've, no one else has spent any time thinking about this. But a long time ago in England, you used to be able to stand on the corner in a place called Hyde Park. That was called Preacher's Corner. You could stand up there at Preacher's Corner, and you were legally allowed to, to talk about the Lord, the Bible, they, and you, they wouldn't cart you off to jail or anything. You know, that was a, that was a privileged position there in England. And public preaching was a thing. The Salvation Army used to have open-air meetings. These days, if you go down and preach on, on, in public, like those blokes tried to do in Adelaide a few years ago, and they got arrested. Um, and if you go down to the mall, like there was a bloke that used to sit down at the mall and hand out tracts, no one would ever take a tract. This whole thing of sharing the gospel in public just doesn't work. But there's a place that's very, very public and it just works. Now, where could that be? Social media. Social media is our preacher's corner. And I tell you what, you, can, you could stand on the corner and, and, and say, you could call out scripture verses, you could preach the gospel, and as people walk down the street, they'll ignore you, they'll go to the other side of the road, or you'll have a couple of blokes walking down and, and one, will, one will say to his mate, ha, 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 we don't listen to preachers, do we? But that same bloke at home, when he's on his own and he's not with his mates and there's no one leaning over his shoulder and a gospel message comes down his feed, he watches it because he knows he has a soul and he knows that one day he's going to die and he's going to stand before the Lord or he knows that there's an eternity and he doesn't know what's going. And that same soul, when he's not peer pressured by all his mates or he's not in public, is very concerned for his salvation and his future well-being. So we got this like magical opportunity, social media, that we can be a church that preaches the gospel in public and has an effect. So yeah, not social media for just, you know, hey, our church picnic's coming up, come along. Not that. No, the gospel. Let's preach the gospel. 
So there's, I'd like to put in place a plan for how can we use social media as a church to really preach Christ. Well, we've got to think more about that. That's one of the goals for the next year. That's all of the short-term goals. I've just mentioned them. We've got some longer-term goals. I'm just going to share one of them with you this morning, and then we're going to close. So this year, this year our theme is being planted, and a part of being planted is kind of the sense of preparing for the future. They're kind of similar concepts. Because when you first plant a plant, it's not fruitful straight away, but part of the planting is the is the idea that this thing is going to grow and eventually become what it's supposed to become. So we planted our trees at home recently, fruit trees, that will one day give me my pomelos that I want to get. And, uh, but planting is where you begin. So some of the things that we're doing this year are because there are longer term things in mind, so the, we'll have more results down the track, and yet what we're doing now is equally crucial and equally important. Now, we're not actually beginning from scratch. It's not like we're planting a fresh plant. We've got a history of many wonderful things that have happened. We're building on a foundation, but we're also planting as well. It's both of those things. I have got an idea, and um, I'm going to say it, um, and then briefly explain it, and then I'm going to tell you that I need your help. And I want to start a Sunday school. Now, before you all get shocked, I've got to explain it. <laughs> We haven't had a Sunday school in this church for a long time. Does anyone remember when we had Sunday school last? Were you in it? You were in it. Ryan was in it. When was that? Late 90s sometime. We had a Sunday school. What we used to do is we used to, kids would be in church, we'd have the worshipping, we'd get to the announcements and then the kids would go out to Sunday school and the kids were gone. They would miss out on the sermon. When we handed our building back, we didn't have the ability to run a service and a Sunday school at the same time. We just didn't have the facilities. So kids were in, they just had to put up with it. And what we discovered was that young people got used to being in the service. Their parents had to you know, clip them over the ear and say, sit still. But they adjusted to it, and we found that as they got older, our youth were more mature. It had been a huge benefit to them being in church. So we decided that we were never going to have a Sunday school again. Well, not one like that. Not one that took them out of church. And we're still not going to do that. We're not taking kids out of church. It's just too important for the children to be in the service, for them to see their parents worshipping, for them to see, uh, for them to hear the sermon, even if they don't understand it. It's so good for them. But what we want to do, what we need to do is start a Sunday school that runs before the service. And if you go back a hundred years ago, that's how all the Sunday schools were done. This current fad of send your children out during the service, that's a modern fad. That's like 70s, 80s, 90s. That's like a recent idea. Well, what's happened in Christianity all over the Western world in the last 50 years? We're all the young people. So that lesson of sending them out, they've been learning the subtle value of church is not for you. But you go back far enough Sunday school wasn't at the same time as the service. It was before the service. So children actually went to two things on a Sunday morning. They went and learned about Bible stories, and then they went to church with their parents as well. And the result of that was these children would grow up, stay in the church. They would end up being twice as strong. So that's the type of Sunday school that I'm proposing, that we start not in the next year. This is like a midterm goal. Maybe 
23 or maybe halfway through 23 or maybe 24. It just depends on when we're organised enough to get to it. Part of it will be the building will have to be ready, stuff like that. But here's my idea of how it could work. And you know, it might change. But my idea is Sunday school's at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. It goes for one hour and it's going to be right here. So the church will be in the middle and this will be our like church hall, so to speak. You know how churches used to have a, a building and a hall? Well, this bay will be our hall. <laughs> and so what will happen on a Sunday morning is parents can bring their children to Sunday school and drop them off and they can leave if they want or they can stay if they want. And they can sit right up there and they can have coffee, which will be free and on the house. Parents get free coffee and they can sit right there and see their kids. And because that's a whole thing, you know, in the... In, some parents have got their concerns about their children in the hands of a church. That's a, you know, the child abuse thing that's been going on in recent years. So parents can stay and they can see their kids, they can sit right up there and it'll be all very visible. And then Sunday school finishes right when church is starting. And the idea is that you bring your children to Sunday school for their strengthening and edification, but you, your children invite their next door neighbours' kids to come to Sunday school too. and. When those kids are finishing Sunday school, they say to their parents in theory, can we stay for church? And you'll be amazed at how many children will say that to their parents because they're here, they're with their mates, it's cool to hang out here with their mates, the music for church will just be starting, it'll be lively and happy, parents will have just had free coffee and be like, mum and dad, can we stay for church? And mum and dad will probably say, no, we've got to go. But you know, they'll pester them week by week by week. And after a while, someone will stay for church. And so it's, it's good for the children, and it's also evangelism. And you know what I discovered recently? I was reading some of this uh, research into demographics and how people think, and I discovered that young men who become fathers, now these are 30 to 40 year old men who are fathers, there's a, a certain percentage of them, like about 40 to 50% of them, that that have this idea, I should send my kids to Sunday school. Now what a shock that there are men out there in our community who are 30 to 40 years of age with children and they're thinking, I went to Sunday school when I was a kid, I think it'd be good for my kids to go. Now I don't want to go to church personally is what they're thinking, but I think my children should go to Sunday school because I want them to know about God just like I did. So they've kind of got this idea that going to church isn't for me but I want them to have, you know, those spiritual values that I've got of loving others and they think that they're a certain type of person and they want their children to have the same. Well, shock, there's actually a bunch of parents that think like that. And I think if you had a Sunday school that wasn't just for church kids only, but it was out there as like a public event, I think that's one way that we would see the church grow. Uh, and if nothing else, it's good for our own children. So that's just an idea that I have as a mid-term goal, mid goal in the kind of two to five year area. And, um, but if we were to do something like that, we would need your help. There's no way we could run a program like that without any number of people volunteering their time, without any number of people will, being willing to bring their children down on a Sunday morning an hour earlier than normal. So it would require a whole nother level of involvement in spiritual life. Um, but that's the type of thing we all used to do 20 years ago. That was very common church to be in that highly involved in church life. We've just got more used to a cushy life. So 
might be time to go back to a slightly less cushy life with more involvement in prayer and contemplating what can we do to really impact our community. So all of that is just to say there's a future. There are plans and ideas and hopes and dreams. There are goals. We have goals for the church for the next year, for the next five years, the next ten years. And um, all of that will be communicated and more and more in time. But I guess if I was going to plug one thing right now, I'd say get yourself in a prayer meeting because you, you just got to. It, 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 there's, there's a future in doing that. And get yourself in that week of listening prayer next week. It's so important. So what I'm going to ask right now is for... David's going to come and we're going to have communion to finish the service up. And um, he's got some thoughts to share about that. But as he comes, I just want you to contemplate this question. Are you someone... Are you a person that's willing to be planted? Are you a, a Christian that's willing to do more than just come along on a Sunday and call that your Christian life? Are you someone that says, you know, as part of following the Lord, yeah, yeah sure, I've got my job, I've got my business, I've, you know, you've got the things in your life that you have to do, but, I, but I'm a follower of the Lord, and yeah, I'm going to give myself to being planted, I'm going to get myself in, in prayer regularly, I'm going to be a part of what happens if it's, say, helping with the Sunday school, as, you know, as an example, in a year or two's time. I want to ask you this question. Are you someone who's willing to be planted? What's the answer? Are you a yes or are you a no? Or you are, I'm not sure yet. You know, don't let me push you. And by the way, I'm the least pushy person in the church. I should get Philip to do a sermon on this. Philip's got the next be planted message. And he'll make you all feel guilty and bad and, you know, feel like you're lousy if you don't get yourself in a prayer meeting. So uh, that won't be next week. But maybe the week after, Philip can push you all. And, um, but I just, I just want to put the question to you, and it's a real question. It's not just a kind of a rhetorical way of finishing off a Sunday morning. It's a real question. I think the Lord wants you to be in a prayer meeting. And me asking you the question, in my opinion, it's not me asking you the question. It's the Lord asking you the question. So what's your answer going to be to him? All right. Thanks, Mr. Hood.